On this week's episode, we talk to our younger selves. We give advice to those of you listening about how we became better advocates for ourselves. So stick around. Hello, and welcome to Rare with Flair, the podcast where two 20-somethings with the same rare disease are living their best lives. I'm your host, Cassandra. And I'm your host, Casey. I almost forgot my name for a second. <laughs> no, I almost, literally, I almost just did the intro incorrectly, too. I, I was almost, about to say hello and welcome. My name is Casey instead of hello and welcome to Rare with Flair. I was about to Flair. say my name is Casey. Guys, are we okay? <laughs> Is this because we took a break? Um, I don't know, but hey, we're back from our break. Happy we're happy New to be back. Year. Happy 2022. Yes, happy 2022. This is the start of our third season. Wow. Okay, so during the break, I went through and organized our pod. Uh, if you want to check out a lot of a lot more of what I did, you can see our website. I added some intros where we ran out of time and I didn't do that. Um, and now we have seasons for each yes. year that we've been doing the pod. So you'll be able to see that on Apple. And I think I think I'm really proud of where we're at right now. Oh my gosh. We are in our third calendar year of the pod. It's unbelievable. And three is my favorite number. So I'm like ready to get into season. I feel like season three is always good on TV shows. That's true. So, I mean, it's going to be great. Really get our groove. And I hope that that's how it ends up working for us on this pod. Woo. Yes. But how was your Christmas? How was your holiday? We're, did we already talk? We definitely might have already talked about that in our last episode. Or did yeah, we record what? our... I don't even remember. <laughs> When did we, we record recorded last? our last one before or after Christmas? I think it was before Christmas, actually. I think it was before Christmas. So how was your Christmas? My Christmas was really great. It was really low-key. Um, a lot of the reason is because of this, like, new variant happening. I was actually supposed to travel, but ended up not doing that for a lot of reasons. And, yeah, you know what? It's been really nice to be home and relaxing and taking care of things around here so i think that that's been really good but it was just me and my parents and it was great how about you yes it was really really good i i enjoy christmas so much but something i enjoy almost as much as christmas is kind of being able to relax after christmas Mm -hmm. because it's so busy and crazy and and fun but it's nice to kind of do a new year clean slate get your life back together get your stuff in order and your house clean and it feels good to just kind of have a slower week after you know or slower few weeks after christmas two things it was very good two things i want to brag about case because case did a lot of cooking over the holidays and i did she sent me a text that I quote, cooking is so fun. And honestly, <laughs> I'm so proud. Yeah, Kaz, Kaz responded and she said, Casey a year ago would have never said cooking is fun. <laughs> and man, do I agree. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Because I never thought in a million years I would like cooking. And I did enjoy a lot of cooking over the holidays. And I even have been baking. Like I just baked banana bread a few days ago. That's and so great. I... I'm just continuing even just to cook and bake for myself, even though I live alone. Same. It's still fun and it's relaxing. I put on a nice playlist and I just, especially baking is relaxing, you know, like there's something about it that's very therapeutic in a way. And I've always heard people say that and I never understood what they meant. That's why people do stress baking because it's like. It's true. It's really nice and, you, you know, assuming it all goes well and you don't pick something extremely complicated, you come out with something yummy and delicious that you can be proud of. And then of. you get to eat it. So that's exactly. fun. What was your second thing? You said you had two things. So I wanted to quickly see if we wanted to say. I know we thought about it on our last episode. I don't know if we really did talk about it. Um, if we had any other goals or resolutions for this year. Oh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I have quite a few. I'll just I'll pick one to yeah. throw out there. Uh, let's see. 
I want to get better with navigation this year in the city that I live in. I think this is maybe a relatable one for some low vision people, although everybody is different and you do have those low vision people like cats who are actually like really good at navigating. Um, I'm good at navigating when I need to be. I have like a naturally good sense, but since I've never had to pay attention in the car, I just have never paid attention. I just like get on my cell phone in the car or I talk to the person or I just don't pay attention to where we're going. And I want to get more mindful about doing that. And I want to be better about being able to tell somebody how to get back to my house mm-hmm. where, from wherever I am in the city. And, um, you know, when I lived passenger. in New York, I was really good about that because I had to be because I was walking. Right. But since I'm not driving, I don't have to be. And so, yeah, that's one of my goals. I have many goals this year and I like goal setting, but that's, I'll share just that one for now. That's some of them are a little more like personal or, sure, you know, but no, that's great. Um, so I love to set very simple goals, uh, for every new year. Like I, I want something that I can realistically motivate myself to do that is like small enough to do. So -hmm. last year was, I, wanted to drink more water and I actually did do that pretty much all year um this year my small resolution is to be better at flossing because I went to the dentist in November and they said that my gums could definitely use some help so I bought a water flosser and honestly I've been flossing for almost a week now and I feel amazing I feel amazing actually (laughs) I mean, you obviously don't mean the teeth thing. You mean the the dance craze flossing that oh, swept the nation. Yeah, of course. That, you want to be the better. T- at I want to. I want to do the dance. a TikTok dance every yeah, day. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, but every single day you want to practice that dance. Yeah, but um, but no, I'm not good at that dance teeth. either. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I can't do it, man. <laughs> I was trying it during the lockdown of 2020 because that's where we were at that point in time. I and look. I, I like have I'm videos just of myself. <laughs> It's bad. My mom can do it really well. Wow, yay. My mom was like an aerobics instructor, and she's pretty good at like physicality, stuff like that. And she can do it, man. I don't know. But anyway, teeth flossing. Back to that. Um, I started like probably two years ago flossing every night. I was really bad about it before that. And once I started, it got to the point where I would feel like bad. My mouth would feel weird if I didn't do it. Like, and maybe you'll get to that point. Um, eventually where you'll you'll feel weird about not doing it. I don't know. That's how I started feeling. So I think that's an attainable goal. I think so, too. I think so, too. I, mean, I saw my parents yesterday, and my mom was like, wow, your gums look so good. Like, well, yeah, gum health is, like, really important, and yeah. it can affect your whole body, too, you know. Right. So, but yeah, I like right. that goal. Well, I hope that everyone, again, has a really great start to the year, and we're going to launch in. We're going to launch in. We're going to launch. We're going to launch. So – I'm going to explain the concept of this episode. Cass and I realized that we've talked about a lot of things related to disability, but we haven't really ever done a full episode about advocacy, about standing Mm -hmm. up for ourselves, about getting the accommodations we need. And also, we kind of wanted to pair that with what is advice we would want to give to our younger selves? And maybe like younger listeners can take this advice and and run with it. But what would we have wanted to tell our 12-year-old self, our 8-year-old self, you know, about mainly about advocacy and standing up for your, and mm-hmm. speaking up for yourself and that kind of thing. Right. And like we've always talked about this topic as reference to school, which I think for, you know, a lot of part of our lives, like I think still at this point I could say that you and I almost almost up to this point that have we've still had more time in school than out of school so um you know it really is framed by being in an academic setting and we'll definitely be talking about that but advocacy is obviously more than that it's it's advocating for yourself in pretty much all situations whether it's like social or work or school so you know just wanted to bring that up and I thought that like we thought that it would be good to just highlight advocacy as a whole yeah it is often talked about in like a worker school setting but I feel like I have to advocate for myself every moment of every day almost like it's just all the time you have to explain what you need wherever you are if you're out shopping even like even going and I'm not trying to skip ahead but even as far as like going back 
to when we were little kids at a friend's house and we couldn't see the TV. Right. Are you going to speak up during that situation for yourself to get what you need to see the TV? I mean, it's just like, it's ever, it's all the time. It's all the time. Yeah. So, um, we wanted to go back kind of to our childhood. I know we start in childhood a lot. And I know some people don't lose their vision till later in life. So the childhood aspect right. might not even really play a part. But you're going to, I think you'll still relate to the advocacy part of this. Because obviously now that you're disabled, you're, you're still going to have to advocate for yourself. And also you know? it's not like, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's always innate. I think that advocacy is more of a learned skill that over time you get to be better at. And whether you're an adult trying to learn to advocate for yourself or maybe the first time, or if you're younger and you're still in that process, like it is an ever evolving process. So like wherever you are in your journey with advocacy for yourself, um, we hope that something that we say in our journeys will speak to you. Yeah, and we're not perfect. We're still learning every day. And we're not here saying that we've got it all under control or we're so confident and we're so great at it because we still struggle too. And I think some people are maybe better at it than others. And I think personality types come into play. True. Uh, you know, throwing in our, our episode we did about personality types a while ago. I think we can like reference that. Yeah. We've ha- we have too many episodes now to even say. Remember when we used to be able to say what number an episode was? Now we can say like, that episode was in season two. <laughs> that, you're right. That episode was in season two. So go check that out if you want to hear a little more about our personality types. We're going to bring them up in this episode because they're bound to come up. It kind of, I think they come into play a lot here. Also, if you want to hear our very first episode on like advocacy that was school related, that was in season one. (laughs) Season one. Yeah. Our first school episode. That was episode five. And I can tell you that that. with pretty good certainty. After about (laughs) 13, I lost them. Yeah. Yeah. We're lost (laughs) after about 13. So... We wanted to talk about starting in childhood, and this can even go up to adulthood possibly for some of you, but we thought of three main reasons why we might not have advocated for ourselves in childhood. Um, The first one, I think you can talk about the first one because you're the one who actually brought uh, brought this up, and I think it's a good point. Right, so I was thinking, um, and again, as a reminder, Casey and I, not only have we not lost our vision, but we have been legally blind since birth. We've seen about the same as far as our vision goes since, you know, the start of our lives. So we have had lots of time to adapt to this. So this goes way back to when we were really young. But one thing that I remember specifically when I was in like first and second grade is that you didn't know exactly what you even needed for a situation. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this in regards to, um, I don't know, as a kid, you grow up with a certain worldview based on what your parents, you know, give to you and tell you. And you often go in assuming that everyone has a very similar experience to you. So, you know, as a kid, I knew that I didn't see as much as the other kids, but I didn't know to what extent was like not normal and and what extent I actually needed to use help for. Um, so like I would like, you know, put my face against the, the paper that I was doing the math problems on. Um, whereas now as an adult, I would ask for something different or if I would, you know, in that time, which was like what, 2002, I would like use like a magnifier or something else besides just trying to put my face on it but I didn't know any better because I was a kid Mm-hmm. yeah we just yeah we were always aware that we couldn't see well it wasn't something we just discovered one day I think we were always kind of aware of that but we didn't how are you supposed to know what's what you mm. need and what's normal and how do you even know how to verbalize it at that age and we didn't know I mean when you're like five or six years old yeah. you have no idea what the other kids are using versus what you need to use. And it's very over, it can be like confusing. And we've talked about how, you know, we had a lot of assistive technology Mm -hmm. just thrown at us at a young age and it's like hard to know what works for you. And so, yeah, I think one of the reasons we might not have been great advocates is simply because we did not know what we even needed to advocate for ourselves. And so, 
Um, and I'm not really saying how to solve this issue. I think this is something you just have to learn over time. Yeah. You're not going to be born knowing what you need. So, like, I'm not really here to give advice on how to solve that. But it is just something that you don't have the the words to articulate at that age yeah. of what you really need. Yeah. Or, so. like, that level of experience with having your vision be the way yes. that it is. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've talked about in the past that I do wear glasses, like corrective lenses, but they don't, you know, make me not blind. Uh, they just help me be able to see with a little bit sharper focus so I don't have to strain my eyes as much. But I still, like, they don't correct my vision. Uh, you can hear all about that in some, one of our earlier episodes. But, like, um, it was at, it was like when I was six or seven that I did actually get my first pair of glasses. And it did really help that I didn't have to put my face on top of the paper. It could be a couple inches from the paper. But I didn't know that until, you know, I someone recommended something and, and we tried something new. Um, and so right. it's hard because, like Casey said, like, you don't know what you need. You don't know what's available to you. Um, and you can feel a little bit overwhelmed by choice. Like, here's a CCTV. Here's a monocular. Yeah. Here's a magnifier. Try them all. See what you like. You know? <laughs> it's a lot of trial and error at that age. Um, and it still is. As you get older, I'm, I'm about to try glasses at 29. <laughs> it's like a lot of trial and error. Yeah. And just trying to know. I mean, I've tried glasses before. And that's a whole other story we're not going to get into. But just different kinds of glasses or different kinds of things right. that you've never tried, you might want to try them. So that's one of the reasons. There are three. So I, I'm going to go ahead and get into yeah. the second reason. Um, the second reason that you might um, not want to advocate for yourself is, and this kind of goes into the first one a little, but it's a little different, just feeling overwhelmed by all of it, just kind of wanting to sit back and not have to deal with any of it. It's a lot of hard work to advocate for yourself. It's it's overwhelming to try to do it. And sometimes you just want to give up mm-hmm. and be like everybody else and not have to work so hard for it, you know? I also, yeah, it, it really touches on, I don't know, you're highlighting your difference. And by using assistive tech or by asking for an accommodation – you are highlighting your own differences and that can be really embarrassing in some situations. Like I, I would consider myself a, a pretty confident person and I don't really mind too much what other people think, but even so it's still sometimes uncomfortable to have to ask for the thing, even though I I'm well aware that I'm never going to, you know, quite look normal or, or fit into a normal lens. But like you just like, you just want to hold on to that little shred of, of normalcy that you do have. So, you know, you may hold back to ask for help that you actually do need. Yes, I was just realizing, we write note, we write like bullet points for the pod, and I was reading the wrong one, but it, it all kind of, sorry, the second one I think was actually supposed to be embarrassment, but it all kind of goes together. Like, um, I think... You are, like Cass said, you are embarrassed at that age, especially at a young age, and maybe even in adulthood, too. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of adults who are still embarrassed to Mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm blind or hey, I'm visually impaired. They're embarrassed to say it, and I'm not, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's, we always say everyone's in their own journey. Um, And we, we hope for you listening, like our hope and our, our prayer for you listening is that you can grow to a point where you aren't embarrassed mm-hmm. because that's who you are. But I'm. But there's nothing wrong with that feeling because it's a normal feeling. Yeah. And we, especially as kids, felt really embarrassed to have accommodations. I didn't want big papers. I had a teacher who like joked about my big papers and made oh, a big deal when no. I was like ten, which is like the worst age ever because you're trying to be cool when you're ten. Oh, of course. And then I are. had like a <laughs> slant board, yes. um, which is like to help. Um, it's like so the papers won't be flat on the desk. You don't have to bend your neck down as far to read papers. It's but it was to huge help your back. And it was bulky. Yeah. And you look at all the other kids at their desks with their normal paper on the desk, and then you pan over to your desk, and it's like this huge slant board on yeah. it. And I was embarrassed, like straight up embarrassed, like mortified that I looked like that and had all that extra crap that I, or in, in my opinion at the time, was crap. That I had, I mean, I was lucky to have it, but also, like, so embarrassed by you it. You don't appreciate what you have at that age, because all you want to do is 
is no. be like everybody else. And again, no, I, yeah. this like, is not... I realize, ex- like... Sorry. Uh, no, what? go ahead. I just, I realized we were privileged to have what we have, but at that age, like you said, you're not going to realize that. And this is not exclusively limited to 10-year-olds. Like, uh, seriously, again... Even adults struggle with with this kind of a feeling. Um, I always yes. talk about. I, I've mentioned it uh, probably a few times before at this point, but like how I refused to use my monocular for a year or two because I just felt like it was it was the thing that made me different. And so like you know people always wanted to play with it, and I didn't want that. Like I just wanted to be able to sit at my desk and copy down the notes like everybody else. But, like, I knew that that was never going to happen after a few years of you figuratively beating my head against the wall, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, we still. And I'm. I'll, we'll talk about this a little later in the episode. I want to get into, like, times now where we still feel self-conscious about it. Girl, I had the time like, last week. I didn't advocate for myself. No, yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that because we do have those moments still to this day. So, like, we don't want. Like I said at the beginning, we're not perfect. We're not like, oh, like we're so good at it. Yeah. But I think we can both agree that we're leaps and bounds better than we were oh, when we were ten. Yes, absolutely. I mean, much. I mean, much better. And we'll get into that. Like I said, the third thing. Sorry, I like skipped ahead, but. The third thing is, and I want you to talk about this because you mentioned a specific story last time, we don't want to be a burden. Yeah. I think that... I think that it's really hard to ask for things, not only because you're the one that looks different, but people feel put out by, like, a certain amount of requests. I think, like, people... (laughs) People act like they're very willing to help you, but if you, it just, it feels like you ask too much and then they get annoyed. Uh, the, yes. the, the example that I was thinking of, though, was like, I, as a young kid, I, again, I've mentioned this before, but like, I wasn't the best at picking up social cues. I didn't really read the room too well, but I, you know, I just like did my thing and I was like happy with myself. But it wasn't until I started trying to that I noticed like, there's only so many times that you can tell a teacher that, like, you can't see the illustrations in the book that you're reading um, to continuously remind them that they, like, you can feel the tension and you can kind of hear them, like, sighing a little bit. And, and I just, like, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to forget about it. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's that moment that you're like, all right, not only am I looking different and I was willing to risk that, but, like... They don't even really want to help me. And now I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm just in the way. Yes. So many well-meaning people throughout our lives have told us, you don't need to be afraid to ask for help. People Mm -hmm. are happy to help. People are willing to help. Don't be afraid. But we have both experienced many, many times where we have asked for help and they act, people act put out by it. Yeah. And it, those kind of things really kind of scar you and stick with you and make you not want to ever ask for help again because like Cass said you're already being vulnerable by asking Mm -hmm. and the worst thing that can happen is you asking and then someone kind of acting annoyed by it and if we asked every single time for every little thing we would be talking I mean that would be a little that uh, would be a little extreme (laughs) there there has to be times and this is what we've learned since we were born there has to be times where you sit back and don't say a word. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. I don't think you need to be able to see every little thing. There there are some things that we know that if we don't see it, it's not going to ruin our day. It's not going to ruin our life. I think when it comes to like, if it's going to affect your grade in a right. class or it's going to affect your work, then that's when you really can't let it slide. It's, it's you a, can let like you can easily let things slide if it's not going to actually affect. I mean, it kind of sucks you can't see it, but it's not going to actually affect anything. Then okay, don't say anything. Exactly, about it. Like, and that's a matter of like know. picking your battles. Yeah, like, choose your battles. Fi- figure out what is the most important thing for you to be able to do right now. Because also, not only do you know. We don't need to ask people for everything we do. We've talked about before on other episodes that, like, we have our own coping mechanisms, especially, like, now with the advent of technology, using our phones. We can do a lot more than we probably could have done back when we were in school, not just because we were young, but because of the availability of resources at the time. 
Um, so like we don't always need to ask for help, but when we do, we need to also weigh the option of like, is this going to affect my performance in something that matters, that holds weight? If you know, or like, is this a social thing that I actually really want to participate in, but I'm yeah. afraid to ask because I think people are going to be annoyed by me. Yeah, and I think not only has technology changed a lot since we were young, I think the stigmas of disability have changed a lot since we were young. I think kids nowadays are more equipped to be confident about it and advocate for themselves. And I I work with an organization that... where I'm um, coming into contact with a lot of people with albinism and, dis- and you know, visual impairment. And what I've come to see is, like, the generational differences is really, really striking. And also, kids these days often do, like, a presentation for the class, their cr- classroom, about their vision and about their condition, um, which I think is really cool because it, like, sets the – and, you know, I mean, they're, people can, you know, have their own opinion on that. Of, of if they think it's a good idea or not. But I think it's cool that it, like, sets the scene at the beginning of the year of school. This is what my disability is about. This is what I'm going to need. And so then later on when you're advocating or when you're using a tool, it's maybe not as embarrassing because people aren't going to be making a big scene about it, asking about it, that kind of thing. I have a question. Have you ever done that before? The presentation? Yeah, or something of that of the like yeah Have you done? um I don't think so when I was a kid it's not that I didn't want to it was just never really like talked about as much or presented to me like nowadays there are like packets that are provided you know that kids can take to school and things like that and I just don't remember that being a thing back then and I think that's because nowadays disability is more widely talked about but like did you ever do that Sort of, actually. Um, I don't know if it was actually effective or not, because I still feel like there was a lot in terms of what I needed to ask and what I needed. Of course, you know, no one was going to predict my needs. But I remember, I don't remember when, um, but there were a few years that we had this, like, VHS tape about, like, what is albinism. Oh, cute. And I remember, like, bringing that to a couple classes, like a science class or something. I don't even Wait, remember what year, Like, where. how old were you? Like, I high think, school? No, I, I was in elementary. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, like, I didn't, I don't know if I did it every single year. My mom is probably listening to this, like, shouting at the at her phone, being like, <laughs> no, we did it this time, and she's going to message me hey, right Sandra. after this. Hey, <laughs> Sandra. But, like... I remember having done that, especially, like, like in fourth grade, I think I did it. Um, I don't really, again, I don't really know how effective it was because I think it just more talked about, like, the social experience of having albinism. And also at that age, I don't think I had, I mean, up until probably a year or two ago, I didn't think I had, like, a really great way of expressing to people what it is that I see and how it is that I could like benefit from help but it was like a little bit a little something that we tried I'm wondering I mean there's no way for me to know now but I'm wondering if at, if at that age that would have embarrassed me I'm, I'm thinking like, about it now and I'm wondering why I wasn't embarrassed I, I know think I, like, I, I didn't really I I was open about my disability even back then my friends knew I had I said I had ocular albinism although that's not exactly the type of albinism I actually have we came to find out but they all knew the name I would talk about it openly but I still didn't want to bring attention to it in a classroom setting and hold on really quick before I go on I live in a condo and we're having a ton of landscaping going on outside and it's very loud and I really hope the mic isn't picking it up but if you can hear it I'm just going to I'm telling the listeners right now that I apologize for that. Um, but I, I like, you know what's funny, though? As much as I was, like, ashamed of my albinism as a kid, mm-hmm. I also had this little part of me that, like, thought it made me special. That's exactly why I'm thinking that I, di- that you know what I, I didn't mean? mind the, the VHS tape <laughs> is because I thought it was, like, my special thing. It's my special. You know, okay, can I tell a quick little story that yes. I just remembered? 
I had, th- I've talked about her before. When I was like five, I had this mentor who was like in her 30s at the time. I still know her. We're still friends. And she had albinism. And that was the only person I knew at the time that had albinism. And she was a singer and I liked singing. And she was like my my idol at That's that so age, cute. you know? And um, she was a singer, like I said, and she um, wrote her own music and she wrote mainly like Christian music and she would tour different churches and like and like do a do a concert and stuff. And um, she's very talented. Her songs are great. She's very talented. And anyway, she like came to she didn't live here in Memphis, but she came to Memphis and did like a concert. And it was like real. I thought it was just like the coolest thing. Like we invited my friends like, oh, we're going to this concert. And I remember one of my friends telling me, I wish I had albinism too. And I was like, why? And I I said, why? Because I because it is really hard. It wasn't all sunshine and roses. It was really hard. And I said, why? And she was like, well, because you get to like, you know, meet those cool people and you get to like go to that concert and like have that like cool friend. And like and it, it like and a part of me, like even though at times I hated it and at times I still hate it. Uh, a part of me was like, yeah, I do get to like meet cool people through it and do mm-hmm. cool things through it at that age. So anyway, that's just No, a- that's an awesome story. I feel And like I still feel that way. I yeah. met Cass. I met you. <laughs> I met you. And it, it, hey, if I had to have this to meet Cass, it was worth oh, it. Oh, girl, it was so worth it. I'm so glad I've gotten to know you. All of my of struggles through first grade <laughs> was, was leading me to you. <laughs> This is why we're here. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, anyway, maybe that's why you weren't go back to your story about the video. Yeah. Maybe that's why you weren't embarrassed. I think it, in the yeah, I grade. think it was like fun and cool because I was like, oh look, like these people, like they look like me. Even though yeah. as yeah. I was like in school and growing up, uh my hair was like starting to get darker from the the white that it was when I was born. Um, but it, I was still like, no, that's like, I identify with these people. And I didn't know anyone with albinism until I think I was like 13. No. Yeah. I didn't meet anyone else until I was a teen. Yeah. But like, I'm sure that, that, that video and showing your classmates that video maybe kind of validated your experience because I never felt understood yeah. ever, ever, especially by kids. I feel like even my adult friends don't really understand, but kids really don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing in some ways because they treat you really normal. Mm-hmm. But, like, they really don't. They 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 weren't sitting there thinking, oh, Casey must have a hard time seeing the board. Like, they right. didn't care. Like, and so maybe, like, seeing that video, like, oh, they're, like, seeing into my experiences that I have. Sure. And, again, I don't, I don't know if anyone actually remembered it beyond, like, the time that it was played. But um, I'm glad that we did try something that like you know and i'm i'm also glad because i've seen and and there is there's no shame to this but i think that as a kid i don't know if i would have liked this i've seen parents go in and present to a kid's class and i don't know if i like that a lot again if you're a parent and you've done this and you're listening like we're not shaming you no but i don't know i don't know about that because i i feel like a parent as well-meaning as they might be and as as probably better that they could explain their child's condition, they don't live their child's experience. Also, I feel like that's part of the advocacy point, right? If the parent is doing it, exactly. then the child is not having to... And like we said, if you've done, if you're a parent and you've done this, I'm I'm sure you know the best intentions were there, and it's not like sure. it's not like it's gonna be like harmful to your child no. or anything. But like the whole advocacy point of this is for the child to be able so like one of the definitions in my mind of advocacy is being able to put into words what you need and what's going on with you and so a child learning at an early age the terms nystagmus the mm-hmm. terms photophobia the terms legally blind being able to like put those words into meaning and explain it to other people is literally part of what advocacy is and you're gonna need and I feel like that's one of the ways I've become a really good advocate is I I literally have like multiple scripts in my head ready to fire off at any given moment and I have said it so many times that it's like freaking like memorized I'm like a well-oiled machine when people need to ask me a question about what's going on I'm like ready to go yeah it becomes um, second nature but it's it's through experience and like you just said like when kids learn words like this or when, you know, adults learn words that relate to their specific condition to be able to better express, like, knowledge is power. 
They're able to yeah. like, feel more empowered because they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And kind of getting into like our personality types, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because I feel like we've talked about this many times. You are more of a natural, naturally assertive person than I am and maybe more of a natural advocate than I am and was. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I think you have kind of that stronger personality type. Like, what do you, I mean, do you agree? I would probably say so. I, again, everyone has insecurities, but all throughout, like, my childhood, it was really apparent to pretty much anyone that I was very, like, self-assured. Yeah. Like, I was all, like... And and maybe to my detriment, like it took me a while to figure <laughs> out how to how to how to people correctly. But like I was I was really like, you know, I was happy with myself. I knew like you know I I, I knew my worth so to speak. But like I think growing up, getting to be like a teen, I started to realize that like you know started to learn more about the world around me, and I was like, oh, I guess that's not a normal thing. I mean, I still do that as an adult. I'm like, oh, that's not. Normal thing. Well, I I'm I'm kind of weird because I th- I feel like I am really self assured and pretty confident. My problem is I'm a people pleaser who doesn't want to rock the boat mm. at all, and like I don't have I'm kind of more passive than assertive. I'm not a very I'm not a very assertive yeah. person. I think if somebody t- says like you can't do it this way, I'll be like okay, I won't try. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that like. It depend depending the situation, like I'll I'll weigh my options and I'll weigh my, the cost, and sometimes I'll just be like, oh, screw it, it doesn't really matter. I'm just gonna tell them what I think. Like, you know, if I don't really need to yeah. deal with a person again, like I'll just I'll I will tell them like, no man, I need this thing. I'm gonna have to, you know, I I can be more forceful, but there are you know I'm I'm not like that all the time. It really I you know it really did take me until, um probably about my second year of undergrad to to be a more confident advocate for myself and then now a lot of the reason is through this podcast where we've been able to learn more about ourselves and verbalize a lot of things to explain to people who may not have any idea what we're talking about um I've become a better advocate in like social situations and I feel like I, I have more vocabulary and examples to be able to tell people how I see because it, it is really hard to explain yeah and I and I and I want to like say you know nothing is black and white and we are both really complex people so it's I, I'm not saying like oh you're always assertive and forceful and sure. I'm always meek and passive like there I definitely there are definitely times where I've stood up for myself as well as there are definitely times where you have been afraid to it's not like it's like sure. we're just these these caricatures of like you're a type 8 Enneagram and you're always gonna like go for it like right. you know that's not how it always is no but. and and I think that you are pretty self-assured like for yeah I'm pretty self-assured I'm just a people pleaser too for being a people pleaser like you really you have more confidence than I think people would assume when they hear about like a personality like yours I think that you are able to like know when it counts and then be able to do it from there because yeah I'm able to do it I'm just not like my mom we call my mom the polite bulldozer because she'll get it done what she needs to get done and she pushes more than I would sometimes sometimes (laughs) I'll just give up and not want to push anymore you know but I mean yeah there's always a every situation is different too and like I just wanted to bring up personality types because because for some people advocating is literally harder because of just how their personality is like you know so had to bring that up a little bit yeah and and to that point like to be fair, it is hard regardless. Even if, like, oh, you yeah. have a really naturally assertive personality, um, there are still, like, things that I find difficult. I am glad for my personality that it it does make it a bit easier to do. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's, again, it's a process, and it takes time and lots and lots of, like, lifelong learning. Well, we also want to represent the blind community well, so we can't really be rude. It's it's like that horrible thing where you feel like since you're blind, you can't really be rude because you don't want people. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like like disabled people feel this pressure to always be like sunshiny and nice so that we don't come off as like, um, 
you know bothersome or like yeah. a burden or whatever so like if you're if you're like really pushing for something you need people might think like oh that person's rude or whatever when really we're just pushing for like a basic human right right but i gotta like tiptoe that line i think this gets into the point of diversity where you're like the token you're you be you become tokenized right so you're like token disabled or blind person because quite frankly people probably haven't met many other if if any other blind or disabled person and you feel this obligation as possibly the only person they've met like this in their lives to leave a good impression to speak for your entire group (laughs) yeah which is like a lot of pressure yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you feel like, yeah, you, you feel like you're representing all blind people a lot of the time. And that is a lot of pressure. And I've heard other people talk about it. It's a thing we all feel. And yeah. you, and it's just like, you know, not all blind people are always happy. And not all blind people are always, I feel like disabled people get this rap of like, they're always so nice. And that's not true. There are some blind people who might be jerks. Oh. But it, because we're people at the yeah. bottom of it, like we're just people. Like, and like, some people are. I think some people get really cynical and jaded after having to, like, push for things for so long that they are, like, always in a crappy mood. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like if you, you know, if you get 15 questions about your guide dog, by the 15th question, you might kind of be short with the person and kind of little snippy, and they might think, oh, that's rude. By the fifth question, I'm short and snippy. (laughs) Same question. Well, they don't realize you've literally answered the same question 50 times and you're just trying to, like, live your life and eat your lunch or yeah, whatever. Exactly. And, look, and, and, you know, in that case, like, people will literally interrupt what you're doing in order to, like, learn. And honestly, like, I don't know. I, I know that, like, a, a big part of our job is to educate people. But at the same time, we are also people. And, like, there are plenty of resources now online that you can learn for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I love educating people, but there's, like, a time and a place. Like, yeah. if I'm in the middle of something, I can't always be, like, a textbook for every person. Do like, not interrupt I, me when I'm on the phone. Don't. I used to have people, like, <laughs> stop me on the way to work and ask my life story. And I'm like, I don't really know you, you know, like, but I... That's my, like, people-pleasy thing, though, where I always feel the need to be really nice. I'm not good at, like, cutting people off. I, like, feel the need to be so nice that I, like, talk to them. Because once again, I'm trying to give blind people a good name. Right. You know, I don't know. It's like this whole it's complicated so, yeah. thing. But, and that, and that but gets anyway. into something else. But to, to, to round this out, first of all, what would, like, let's, let's actually answer the question or the title. Like, what would we say to our younger selves? Oh, goodness. I would say it gets better. Definitely. I definitely think it gets better. It's never going to be perfect. People are people and nobody is educated well enough about disabilities in the first place. But um, it gets better. It's hard to say, like, don't care what other people think because that's never going to work. But um, try your best to read up on your condition. Mm -hmm. You know what else I think helps? Try your best to really, really plug into a community. That's a big deal. The more you talk to people like you, the more you feel confident to be like I remember when I first got my cane I was nervous I felt like I was the only person in the whole world who used a cane but I would talk to other people Cass being one of them who used it and it made me feel less alone and like I don't want to take all of your like I'll, I'll stop there because I know no, you have no. I mean I think I that that's a really people. great thing because I was just gonna say you know why I started using a cane is because I went to a NOAA conference where I saw other people with other people doing it and you know what? I was asking Cass the other day. I said, what was the moment you feel like you became a better advocate for yourself? And she said, it was when I got my guide dog. Yeah. And I think for me, it was when I got my cane, which is very similar, because we no longer could hide. It was out in the open. People are going to ask questions. And we no longer could, like, blend in with the crowd. Like, mm-hmm. we are – when you have a guide dog or a cane, you are publicly saying, I am blind to the world. And – um. And so, like, that that makes you a better advocate out of necessity. Like, you just have right. to be at that point. You can't be ashamed anymore. Like, you're past the point of shame. You just have to do it. Yeah. And to take that leap to be able to be confident enough to try and use a mobility aid, because, like, there is a degree of confidence that goes with it. Like, you, you're figuratively, like, putting your money where your mouth is. And you're like, all right, I'm basically outing myself as being 
you know, pretty physically disabled, but using a mobility aid of some kind. And now I have to be able to ask for what I need because otherwise, like, I'm I'm just ineffective altogether. Like, I'm just yeah. here with my with my thing. And if if people if I let people like walk all over me and like I don't stand up for the things that I need in order to be able to get a good grade or do better at my job or, or you know, be part of this social encounter, then I'm not helping anyone, including myself. Yes, yes. And I feel like if your vision loss is not severe enough to where you don't feel like you need a tool, that's okay too. We're not saying like Mm-mm. use a tool. Mm-mm. But if you do, if you get, if you feel like you could benefit from it, but you're too scared, that's okay. But if you ever reach that point where you feel confident enough to use it, I think your advocacy skills will skyrocket. And I that's so. what happened to me. Yeah. Um, but what about you? Like, what advice would you give to your younger self? I think in terms of things like mobility aids or even just, like, visual aids, I would want to, like, give myself the permission to to use them even though it may feel uncomfortable. Um, and, of course, like you said, you can't just say, don't, don't think about what people are gonna say. Yeah, you no, only... we're we're past that. We're gonna always yeah. care. We're all we're we are gonna yeah. always care. And people who are not in our shoes don't understand it because they think just don't care what people think. But it's a societal problem where people don't understand blind people and they accuse us of faking. It's this whole horrible thing. So we're not gonna not care. I'm no. I'm never gonna not care. No, but like I just can't. You you get to a point where um your need to to do whatever it is is yeah. greater than you know what people think of you yes yes it's not that we don't care we just care more about using it than we don't yeah so like that i think that of just like hey you know what even if you do look weird because that's you know what a 12 year old would think do it so that you can get good grades Right, because I was a nerd in school, and that would have been motivational to me. Like, I would have been Uh like, okay, if I can get better grades by just using my monocular and being able to copy down the notes correctly, well then, okay, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Well, like, what was the time recently that you were, like, have you had times recently where you've still been afraid to advocate for yourself or to use tools? I don't know if it was afraid, but it was more of just, like, I kind of I, I picked my battle right I, I decided to calculate the cost and to me it wasn't worth it to advocate for myself in that moment I was I was watching um, a show last week with my friends um, and we were watching it like on a TV it was like a Netflix show and I could have done a few things I could have sat closer to the TV I could have asked them to turn on audio description I could have you know, I don't know. There are a number of things that I could have done to make it easier for me to watch. However, we were watching the second season of a show I'd never seen. I wasn't, like, I wasn't disinterested, but I wasn't, like, super interested in the show either. So, uh, you know, and and I was, pr- like, I was pretty tired. We were all pretty tired. So, like, at that point, I didn't want to advocate for myself because I didn't mind not really being part of the whole experience. And I still felt like I was, like, part of it, even though I didn't understand the story or what we watched at all. (laughs) Yeah, I still do that kind of thing, too. And I feel like it comes down to, like, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, it's you care more about being part of the social fun than the actual show you're watching. Exactly. Because if you had asked to sit close... You would have been kind of removed from the group. Right. And I wanted to sit next to my friends. And you wanted just to be with your friends and it doesn't really matter. I still do that. I'll still watch mm-hmm. movies with people I can't see. Uh, just kind of because it's part of a social thing. It's not like, I, you know, if I really wanted to see the movie, I would. But sometimes right. you just don't care. I think like for me lately. Um, okay. So I used to like always use my uh, monocular to watch Broadway shows and stuff. Yeah. And um I feel like in like an academic setting, I used it all the time and it wasn't a problem. 
But I feel like for some reason in a theater, it just feels a little more weird. I feel like especially because like lately, like people are recording a lot with their Mm. with cameras and phones and stuff in theaters. And it's really frowned upon. And for me, like I don't want someone to think I'm like trying to record it because people don't know what a monocular is when you pull it out. Like they don't really know. It it does kind of look like a little camera lens. Yeah. And like I know it doesn't matter. um, But for some reason, like. I, that's one of the things and there there are quite a few things I still get a little bit embarrassed over even with my cane I still get a little like you know self-conscious about right but that was just something I was thinking about recently that like I I'll do it if I really want to do it especially if it's like a show I've never seen before that I really want to follow the story better right but um but at the same time like it's one of those things like do you care more about the embarrassment or more about getting what you want and like so, and it depends for me but no I, I mean um, I I do a similar thing where like I won't take my I, I don't think I I don't know if I ever have taken my monocular to a concert um because one yeah, I think neither. it would be in the way and two like Honestly, I'm probably not going to be able to see their faces super well, even with the monocular. No, I don't do anything at concerts because for me, it's like 90% a listening experience anyway. Like, would I like to see the artist? Sure. But it doesn't make it any less good for me, I don't think. I went to a show with a friend in November and she is one of those people with eyes that, man, she just notices everything everything yeah yeah, and I'm glad I went with her because I you know even though I didn't get the same experience she did and I you know I go to concerts all the time and I'm just there for the music experience for the most part um but like she when we were talking about what she liked because it was like her first show um she was like oh I really loved like their like they I don't know, they, they, like, played their instruments well because she could see them playing their instruments. And she was, like, I also, like, they, you know, they were really happy. Like, their face was super into it. I was, like, I would never have known that. But, you know, I'm glad I got the experience vicariously. But that's the kind of thing where, like, you don't really need to have to advocate for yourself all the time or have the same experience no we've always lived this way so to us it's normal and we don't really i know a lot of sighted people are like you're missing out so much but it's like we don't even care we don't even know what we're missing out on my mom was telling me the other day actually so really quick story we went to hamilton um and we took my six-year-old nephew and i know a lot of you listening are like oh my gosh that's so young but he loves it and he's very very good at sitting in a theater for a long period of time he was very respectful and he um, he did a great job, you know, being quiet and just watching. And he loved it. Anyway, he's very short. He's six years old. My mom was so stressed that there was like a really tall person sitting in front of him. And my mom was so stressed that he couldn't see. And do you need to move? Do you need to do this? Like, can you see? Can you see? And she looked at me and she was like, oh, my gosh, this is just bringing back so many memories of your entire childhood. I was always just so stressed that you couldn't see anything. I was so upset by it. I was so stressed at everything we would go to that everyone else could see and you couldn't see. And and we were laughing about it because she was like, now I don't care. Now I know that you enjoy it. But back when you were a child, I would really agonize over that for Mm. you. And I just I just thought that was funny because any parent is going to feel that way. But for us, we never really cared that much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Some things you just don't mind not seeing, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to speak for you, too, but, like, no, don't you feel I, that way? You never I, really cared? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes I wanted, like, I, I always know. wanted I to it really see it, but it never was, like, it was never something where I would go home and cry about it. Right, well, and, like, as, I don't know. I'm, I'm an extrovert. I'm, like, a pretty social person, um, I guess for Enneagram people, that's like my wing seven. I would honestly just rather be with people most of the sure. time than see the subject matter. Well, there's always something to enjoy. If yeah. we go to a concert and we can't see it, we can hear it. Like there's always something for, we still enjoy those things just as much, if not more than the people who can see all of it. Like I would go to Disney on ice as a child and even just the lights and the colors, and like the music. I don't have to see their faces. Like, I just don't know. You know, like I would... Sometimes I'd be a little upset that I couldn't see things, but I never, 
I would feel a little excluded, but I would never feel like really sad and and miserable over it. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's there's just so much to experience in the world, even if you can't see every detail. And I think that that also matters. I think people people are really afraid to like not have all of their vision because they don't know they don't they forget about all of the rich experience you can still have without vision or with limited vision people rely on vision too much if you ask me maybe we're experiencing the other senses better than they do so we just notice some more but yeah um it's been it's been some time but would we like to play we would like to play a game we are going to play a game today who is more likely to? Would you like to go first? Yes, I did not write these out beforehand. Me neither. So okay. I'm, look- <laughs> I'm looking them up. I'm looking them up on a website. Okay. Um. So this is on from a website. Okay. And some of these are inappropriate. Whoa. Um. So we have I'm a family friendly podcast here. <laughs> Okay, I think, okay, this one is, who's more likely to have a reality show? Ooh, wow, that's super interesting. Huh. I don't think either of us would like that. No, I would not want, I would not want that. Um, so I can't really say who'd be more likely. I don't, I can't see either of us doing that. I really can't. I No. No thanks. No, never. Okay, um... Yeah, some of these are inappropriate. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see that. I think we're on the same website. Okay. We might be. Um. Ooh, who's more likely to be afraid of spiders? Um. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. Because I was gonna <laughs> say you, because Cass has all these nightmare, recurring nightmares about like infestations and bugs and stuff yeah. all the time. Ooh, but also, Cass. I literally, if I see a spider, I literally make my mother or father come over to my house. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I, like, so, like scream, but I will, like, I'll muster up the courage to, like, smush it oh, several times. Oh, but, my like, gosh. So, I don't know. I don't know who that's tough. is more afraid. <laughs> oh, that's really tough, man. I will say, like, as far as spiders specifically go... I know that they're in my house, but I'm kind of glad specifically about the spiders because I know that they'll eat other bugs. So in my brain, I like to think that the spiders that live here are cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, who? Well, that one's kind of a weird one. Um, who's more likely to sleepwalk? This is something I don't know about you. Have you ever sleepwalked? I don't think so. I think my brother has, but I don't think I ever have. I have not either. I'm a pretty deep like, sleeper. Yeah, I've like talked in my sleep, but no, not sleepwalk. Hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, this is kind of funny. Who's most likely to be late to their own wedding? <laughs> <laughs> um, it has the the only reason I'm gonna say you is because I'm like a very punctual person. I am not a punctual person. <laughs> so I mean, I don't think you'd be late I to your own wedding. I, I don't think I would be just because like I like to plan things, and when the stakes are high, I'll be there. But. If it were no, you yeah, you're not like you're. It's not like you don't care, right? Like, about especially about like your wedding. But if it I'm were just, either like, weirdly of us, punctual. it would be me. Yeah, if it yeah, exactly, exactly. You wouldn't do it, but if we had to choose between us, it would probably be me. Um, okay, well that's a weird one. Who's most likely to have a lot of brothers and sisters? We know how many like siblings we have. That doesn't make that's sense. That's such a weird question. Okay, that's so weird. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Who's most likely to live in a big city? You know what's funny? That's so funny. We both we both have, and for me, like even longer as far as like yeah. li- actually like living there. But I feel like it would be you though. I I love cities. I love like fast pace. Uh, I like city. I couldn't. I couldn't do small town. 
But I kind of prefer something in between. Yeah. But I like I like big cities, but I feel like you, I can just see, I don't know. I mean. That was I always my teen dream it. was to like live in New York. And you did it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's Yeah, I did do it, but I feel like it would fit you too. Probably. Okay, I love this question because it's us. Who is more likely to be a race car driver? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if we theoretically had driver's license, I mean, I think it would have to be you. I guess, but man. <laughs> I feel like you're more daring than I am, don't you think? Yeah. But the thought, of, the thought of that is, I guess, who's more likely to be a, a better driver? I would say you because you're better? more conscientious. <laughs> no, but race car driving, you can't be conscientious. Like, you can't be like, like, I would be a good driver because I would be like timid about it. But you can't be if you're a race car driver. You got to be like ready to push the pedal to the metal. <laughs> so, like, okay, I, I would be a race car driver, but you would be a much better and safer driver. <laughs> I feel like here's the thing with driving. I feel like I would be a safe driver, but I also feel like my anxiety would actually cause more harm than good, too. Like, I feel like I would be an anxious driver, and I don't think anxious drivers are good either because you don't want to be... You need to be relaxed when you're driving, and I don't think I would be. I'd be an incredibly anxious driver, even if I could see. I know I would, and that's why I don't choose to drive. I mean, choose is a, is a you know, that's said lightly, because, I mean, who's to say I could even get a license? I'm barely on the line of bioptic driving here, but, Fair, you yeah, know, same. like, I'm not saying, like, it's a choice completely. It's not really a choice. I can't see um, most things, especially in the sunlight. I can't see anything, so. But if I was choosing to go after bioptic driving dreams, I'd be too anxious to even do it. <laughs> but but I think that's because I can't see. Like, maybe if I could see, I wouldn't be as anxious about it. I don't know. Ooh, there's no way to know, is there? But I think that was the last one, because I did three. Yeah, okay. Well, we did it. We did a game. We did it. We started we out strong with a longer episode for this season three, but, um, you know, we hope that it was it was educational and motivational. Yes, and I, I don't know. It. Yes, we do, and we hope you can maybe take some of the advice we said with you as you got into the world and know that you're not alone and that we are experiencing this too. Um, so, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. In two weeks. Bye! Bye!